Hey everyone, welcome back to the Live with Rachel podcast. I'm Rachel and today we're going to be continuing studying through the book of Romans. Specifically today, we're going to be reading through Romans chapter 5 verses 12 to 21. I usually read these in the New Living Translation, so if you want to read along, that's what I'm reading from. But um, just to recap, Paul, the author of the letter of Romans, has already proved that we're all guilty before God and that there's no one who is inherently good and there's no such thing as the belief that if you just try to be a good person, then you'll be sure to go to heaven. Unfortunately, that's not how the Bible works. He actually explains that God's way of going to heaven has always been by grace through faith in Jesus. And two episodes ago, he used the illustration of Abraham, who is the father of the faith, to explain all of that. So hypothetically, if you had only read up to that point in the letter and you took what's already been said to heart, then you could already know what you needed to know and be saved. But there is just so much more that the people need to know about justification by faith. And in the last episode, we looked at the seven blessings of justification and we answered questions like, how do we know it will last? How can I be sure that I'm right with God? And in this section, we'll be looking at the basis of our justification. We'll be answering questions like, how is it possible for God to save people through Jesus? We can understand that Jesus somehow took our place on the cross for our sins because I've I've mentioned it a, quite a bunch already that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, but how how exactly is that even possible? How does substitution even work like that? Like, I don't understand. So we're going to read the whole passage through and then we're going to break it down into little chunks. So, alrighty. Romans chapter 5 verses 12 to 21 in the New Living Translation says this, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died, from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God, as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who has yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace of his gift of righteousness. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will become righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul here is contrasting Adam, the first man from Genesis in the Bible, and Jesus. If you've read Genesis, you'll know that Adam was given dominion and control over the old creation, but because he had sinned, he actually lost control of that, and because of his sin, all of humanity was now under condemnation and death. 
However, when Jesus came, he came as the new king over a new creation. His sacrifice on the cross brought back righteousness and justification. Jesus didn't just undo what Adam did, but he actually accomplished a lot more by making us a part of God's family, which is something that I explained in the last episode. So let's reread verses 12 to 14. It says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who is yet to come. So one question that gets asked a lot when studying this section is, how is it fair that all of humanity had to suffer because one man suffered? Like that that doesn't make any sense. But however, this decision, it was it's actually a good thing. It was actually a very wise and a very gracious thing for God to do because the result would have been the same, first of all. Like if everyone was tested individually, you'd find that a lot of people still would be uh, rebellious against God. But by condemning the whole world through one man, Adam, God was able to sit there therefore save the whole world through one man, who is Jesus. So each of us is actually racially united to Adam. So his sin affects us. Adam was the first man, so technically he's the head of our human race, but because Jesus is now our new head of our race, we can be saved in him. So this was all God's plan, and his plan was very wise and gracious. So stemming from that, you might also be wondering, how do we even know that we're racially tied to Adam? And the answer is in verses 12 to 14, and the argument goes like this. We know that we're tied to Adam because everyone dies. We all physically die. We're all spiritually dead as well when we're born. But we've already covered that death and what I'm talking about and all that and how that is a result of disobeying God's old law. And a general result usually demands a general cause. And the cause was Adam's disobedience. So when Adam sinned, I had already covered this, but when Adam sinned, he died spiritually. He didn't die physically and immediately, but he did physically die much later. And that was because he sinned. And we were never supposed to physically die like that that was part of the plan we were supposed to live with God and be his family forever and ever but because he sinned he died spiritually he died physically but much later and because of that all of his descendants now will be like that as well they were all born spiritually dead we're not coming out of the womb being like oh praise Jesus you know like we know who, who our creator is and everything when we all are born we're all spiritually dead but physically alive and we all at some point in our lives we all physically die die as well. So I hope that makes sense. I actually really recommend Neil T. Anderson's book, Victory Over the Darkness, because he explains it in uh, in extreme detail. I'm kind of just like rushing through it, um, but he even has like diagrams. So I highly recommend that if you're interested in this whole concept, read that book. It's really great. Um, but we're also now going to look at the contrast between Adam and Jesus and the difference between Adam's sin and Jesus' obedience and going to the cross. So first, let's read verse 15. It says this, But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. 
Adam's mistake is contrasted with Jesus' gift because Adam sinned, a lot of people inherited spiritual death, like I just said. But because of Jesus' obedience and sacrifice and going to the cross for our sins, the grace of God now brings like a new eternal spiritual life, physical life, and just like abundant life in general to the people who believe and trust in him. So moving on, verse 16 says, and the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. So again, the effect of Adam's sin is contrasted with the effect of Jesus' obedience. Adam's sin brought judgment and condemnation. He was declared unrighteous. He was condemned. But Jesus' work on the cross brings justification, which is a fancy word for being made right with God. And basically when someone who doesn't believe uh, decides to trust in Jesus, they become justified now. Like they're, they're declared right with God now. Okay, verse 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Because Adam disobeyed God and sinned, death essentially reigns on earth in, instead of him. But also, if you read Adam's genealogy in Genesis chapter 5, you'll notice that it will say a name and then it will have the phrase, and he died like a lot. It says that a lot. And it's there because people weren't supposed to physically die. Physical death was only brought on because of sin. So I'm going to reread verse 14 again because Paul says, Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who has yet to come. So to reiterate, because sin was reigning in people's lives, death was also reigning. I I hope that's as as straightforward as I can make it and I hope it makes sense. So contrasting this with Jesus, if we skip ahead to Romans chapter 14 verse 17, it says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So with Jesus, we reign over a new kingdom, but in Adam, we lost control over creation. But now because of Jesus, we we reign with him as royalty. Verses 18 to 19 says, yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will become righteous. So. I like to think of it like this. Imagine a electrical wire that's being that's connected to like a light bulb. So if you were to cut this wire only once, would that would that stop the flow of electricity and it would stop the the light bulb from working? Or do you have to cut up the wire several times in order for this light bulb to stop working? Okay. Obviously, you only have to cut wire once <laughs> in order for it to stop working. So if you if you chose that option, well done. So because of that, like the, the cord is, is severed, right? So in the same way, think of it like sin. With sin, all it takes is just one time in order for you to break that relationship with God. Sin is what prevents us from having a right relationship with God. It's the wedge between us. It's what's stopping us from being close and intimate with him and living this life in close proximity to God. I hope that makes sense. But it's only going to continue to be like that if we make no effort to repent, which is just a fancy word for change our heart or in turn back on those ways and, and so on. So I think a lot of people today, they think that, oh, well, 
I've sinned so many times and I'm, you know, God probably hates me and I'm going to go to hell and I'm a bad person and blah, blah, blah. And they have like so much shame and guilt. And so in a way they tried to hide from God. But I just want to tell you, if that's you, that is not what God wants. God isn't going to berate you and, you know, be mean to you. He's not going to point the finger at you and say like, look what you've done. You are the worst. He's not going to be like that. If you come to him after you mess up and you tell him that you're sorry and that you want to confess, you want to get it off your chest and you want to start again and you want to have a fresh start, because of that, when you say that to him, he's going to look at you, he's going to see what Jesus has done for us and therefore he's going to be seeing Jesus and he's going to say, okay, let's start over. And actually... One of my favorite quotes says the victorious Christian life is a series of new beginnings. And that's exactly the case here. Adam didn't have to sin and rebel against God multiple times. It only took him the one time. God tested Adam with this one thing and he and Eve failed. And if you're reading in other translations, the word offense there means trespass or crossing over the line. That's what trespassing is. And God told Adam how far he could go. And Adam decided to go over that line. If we read about it in Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 to 17, it says, But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And what he means here is obviously spiritual death, but also physical death. It's not going to be immediate, but it's going to be like in the future. But that's what they mean by you are sure to die. Okay, I'm also going to reread Romans chapter 5, verse 19. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. So obviously Paul is talking about Jesus here. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross not only made it possible to be right with God, but he actually wanted to take it a step further. The word here in other translations, might um, they might say the word justified or something like that. But basically what Paul is saying here is that not only have you been made right before God, but you've now been called to living a life with Jesus. Just saying that you believe in God is, is not really enough. Like I've already explained, that's sure, that's justification, but apart Part of that, holding hands with that, is sanctification. So when you say, okay, God, I trust you, I give you my life, I want to live according to your ways, what you're also saying is that the result of this decision should mean a lot. It should it should be a huge decision. People don't just give their lives to God willy-nilly. Like This is a huge decision. And what this decision means is a new kind of life for you. It's a righteous, good life of obedience to God. And sure, our relationship to Adam has made us sinners, but the good news is that our new relationship with Jesus enables us to be made right before God and live in victory. So verses 20 to 21 says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So grace was a huge part of God's plan. It has always been a part of God's plan. God dealt with Adam and Eve's rebellion in grace and And he dealt with people and the nation of Israel in the past also with grace. And yes, he gave the Old Testament law to Moses, but that law wasn't intended to replace grace. It's actually there to reveal humanity's need for grace to begin with. The law was always meant to be temporary, but grace was always meant to last forever. And just like we said in the last episode, the Old Testament law made everyone's sin increase because all of a sudden they're aware that they're they're sinning, right? So because it increased, God's grace 
grace increased even more. God's grace was more than able to deal with humanity's disobedience, which is another reason why people around us, you know, they stuff up. We all stuff up from time to time, but as Christians, we should never berate the person. We should never make them feel bad. It never works. We we should never be angry and telling them like what you did was the wrong thing. What we need to be doing is to be compassionate and loving and grace-filled and telling them the truth in love, sure, because we all need some grace. We all need to be told, you know, what is right and what is wrong, but we need to do it with love. And we do that because that's exactly what God's done with us, even now. And also, like I said in the last episode, Christians aren't perfect. I have never claimed that Christians are perfect. I'm not perfect. No Christian should be claiming that they are perfect. We are still tempted to sin all the time and sometimes we slip up and this is because sin and death are still free to work in the world today. That's why you see a lot of things in the world broken. The more we yield to Jesus, the more we will reign with him in life. Now, I just want to take a moment to apologize to the people who may have been hurt by other Christians or they experience a lot of uh, very strict Christians who tell them that they they must do this and they must do that. And because, I mean, I, I can completely relate with that. I completely understand the whole legalistic side of the Christian faith. And I just want to take this opportunity to tell anyone who's listening who may have experienced that. I, I am sorry from the depth of my heart. I am truly sorry that is not what God's about. That is not what Christianity is supposed to be about. That is not loving. That is not kind. And I would want to encourage you to seek God for yourself, see what he has to say, seek his promises, because yeah, again, Christians aren't perfect. And even the legalistic Christians who claim to be, you know, holier than thou and everything, like they're not perfect either. Clearly, clearly, because they are stuffing up, they are clearly not perfect. And we are all in need of God's grace. So the more we we lean into having a relationship with Jesus, hopefully, if it's genuine, the better we will do. So I want to wrap up this episode by saying, yeah, we can't help being tied to Adam because we had no control over being born. We just were born. But you can help yourself now because we can all experience what the Bible calls a second birth or in other words, having a new life in and with Jesus. And this is exactly what Jesus means in John chapter three, verse seven, when he says that we need to be born again. So if you if you hear a Christian say, oh, I'm born again, that's what that basically means. They've started a new life with Jesus. So alrighty, I hope the basis of justification was explained well and that it was easy to understand. I apologize if it didn't, um, but that's going to be it for me today, guys. I will see you in the next one when we jump into Romans chapter six. I will see you then. Bye, everyone. <laughs>